listening to Green State, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality, the agency responsible for restoring, maintaining, and enhancing the quality of Oregon's air, land, and water. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Green State. I'm Lauren Wordis. And I'm Dylan Darling, and this is a podcast about how DQ is protecting your air, land, and water. Yeah, and how are you, Dylan? How was your Halloween? I'm doing well, and Halloween was great. My older kid, he's now three, and he loved going trick-or-treating, and I got to go with him too. I only got a few pieces of candy out of it, but hey, it was a really good time, despite the rain. And how about you? How's your fall going? Yeah, it's been really nice, windy and rainy, as per usual in Oregon. My mom is actually moving from the home I grew up in, in Portland. So that's felt kind of big. And there's been a lot of nostalgia and going through boxes and all that. And I mentioned moving because it is kind of the impetus for our topic today. So we're talking about mercury spills, meaning spilling that strange, shiny, silver, liquid metal stuff that kids used to play with and maybe still do. You may have heard about concerns about mercury in fish or drinking water, and that's separate. Today we're talking about when items in your home have mercury in them, and then those things break and the mercury spills. That's right, and I found it really surprising, given that many people played with this stuff as kids, that it's very bad to spill it, like could destroy your home, furniture, cars, and cause significant health problems bad. I was really surprised to learn all that, too. And I mean, I think I told you I swallowed some as a kid, so I figured, hey, it's not that bad, but (laughs) it's actually okay to digest a small amount. But I I digress. And Lauren and I learned about this because some of our coworkers mentioned a situation in Bend where this just happened. And I don't want to give it all away before the interview, but I'll just say that mercury can be in a lot of places that you wouldn't expect. Folks may know about thermometers, but there's also fluorescent light bulbs, thermostats, light-up shoes, barometers, and a lot of other antique items. Exactly. So to help all of us understand more about where we might find mercury and what to do in the event of a spill... We reached out to those folks involved in the spill response in Bend, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and the Oregon Health Authority to come and tell us about what happened there. And then we also have someone from DEQ to tell us about if we know we do have mercury in our homes, how to safely throw that item away. So let's get into the conversation. Talking about mercury exposure today, which might seem surprising to some of the folks listening. So we're going to try to explain why we're talking about this through telling folks about a story that happened in July. So just earlier this year. Uh, So, Richard, starting with you, I'm wondering if you can give us a summary of what happened and what the problem was. Absolutely. So my name is Richard Franklin. I'm a federal on-scene coordinator. I work for the Environmental Protection Agency here in EPA Region 10, which includes the states of Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Alaska. The problem was that uh, a couple had just recently moved Bend from the Bay Area to a new home in Bend. And during the move, some elemental mercury that was inside a large antique grandfather clock spilled onto household boxed goods inside the moving van. And then when they were moving the clock out of the moving van into the home, it spilled mercury onto the driveway inside the home, the home's entryway. And then they, when they set the clock up in the kitchen living room area, 
it continued to drip and spill there. The, the movers tried cleaning this up when they saw it and they thought it was cleaned up, but they, they didn't get it all cleaned up. And so they were able to get, I think, some of the, the visible mercury, but what they left was a lot of mercury that they didn't see. In the meantime, the owners are there living in the house, this couple, along with other family members and friends who stayed the weekend with them. And so as they're staying there, they're actually walking through it, driving through and uh, tracking it throughout the house, the driveway into two vehicles, Mm. got tracked to another family member's home in Bend. And they had a pregnant friend staying with them who was helping them move. And she was potentially exposed as well. So uh, quite a big problem. And thanks for that, Richard. Thanks for kind of setting this scene. And, you know, Todd, we have you here as a voice of a health official. Can you tell us why mercury is a problem? Yes. My name is Todd Hudson. I'm a public health toxicologist with Oregon Health Authority's Environmental Health Assessment Program. And we work with Agency for Substances and Disease Registry to evaluate human exposure at toxic waste sites. And that includes times when there's hazardous releases into the environment. With elemental mercury, as in what Richard described, it is a, it looks like a, a, a liquid metal. And if you don't clean it all up, the problem is that it evaporates. And especially at higher temperatures, the higher the temperature, the higher the rate of evaporation. And unlike metallic mercury, the mercury vapors, you can't see. And we are quickly exposed to that in an indoor setting where the vapors can accumulate and they can be at high concentrations right at our breathing level. And that vaporized mercury, we inhale that and it goes straight into our bloodstream and it can cause cause, uh, uh, various health effects, especially at high levels. Like I said, it can affect the kidneys, but it can also affect the nervous system. And when it's inhaled and absorbed through the lungs, it can cause things like if you have a prolonged exposure or a very high exposure all at once, it can cause things like tremors, emotional changes like mood swings and irritability, nervousness, insomnia. It can cause neuromuscular changes like it can cause like weakness, muscle atrophy and and twitching. It can cause headaches, can cause sensory problems and at high enough concentrations it can be lethal wow yeah i that's i think it it, people will be really kind of surprised to hear just the the full extent of what effects mercury can have and so richard and getting back to kind of the story of the mercury spill now that todd's explained just how dangerous uh, mercury can really be What did these homeowners end up doing? Like, could they keep living there? Was it like in just one part of their house or everywhere in the house? What happened next? So we mobilized what happened next, right? We we got our cell equipment and we did an assessment. And what we found out was that because it hadn't been cleaned up correctly and there were a lot of microbeads, you know, when you drop a bead of mercury, You might see one big bead, but it breaks into much, much smaller beads. And as you step on those or they drop, they break into more beads. And so it can finally get to such a level that you really can't see them. But if you were to look up close or look at a microscope, you'd see these little tiny micro beads everywhere. And I would say mercury tracks like a bad virus. We've all been talking about viruses lately, but it really does do that. And it tracks quickly everywhere and breaks up into even smaller beads. And the smaller the bead you have, you actually have more surface area and more vapors potentially to breathe in, which is not good. So it was all over the home. And so the vapors, when you asked about could they live there, 
We use health guidance from the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry. Todd mentioned that a moment ago. Uh, ATSDR is the acronym. ATSDR is a federal health agency. They're a sister agency for the Center for Disease Control. We work with them and Oregon Health Authority. But the ATSDR and EPA have established some criteria and levels through which we believe it's not toxicologists and physicians believe it's not safe to be living, in, especially in the indoor air. And so the levels that we found inside that home were very high. They were exceedingly high and mm-hmm. deemed to be dangerous to folks living there. So we told them. It would be dangerous for them to be there at those levels, and they really needed to leave the home and find housing elsewhere, which they did. They got a motel and stayed there until we could finish doing the assessment and cleanup. Wow. And how, given that you're talking about those beads breaking into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. So I think you said microscope, but how do you find these? Well, there's multiple ways, just using our eyes and making observations on can you see the beads. There's simple techniques like looking down along the floor with flashlights and seeing silver silver beads. But a much more scientific way to do that and what we use are what we call mercury vapor analyzers. They can measure the vapors down into very, very tiny particles of mercury. And we're talking nanograms per cubic meter. So very tiny amounts. And so we use those instruments that give us live readouts to detect where the mercury is, where it is not, what concentration is it in the air. But those mercury vapor analyzers are what really help us find where it is. Mm. You've touched on it when we've talked about these beads. You know, when we think about mercury, though these small silver beads, when you try to clean it up or it lands on a carpet, does it absorb into that? So, yes, it does absorb. It, it readily absorbs into permeable material. So it can very readily absorb into carpet, chairs, furniture, sheetrock in your house. Right. So, yes, it can absorb and it does. Can you vacuum it up? We would suggest that you don't. We really should never vacuum if you think you have a mercury spill, because what happens is vacuum will pick up the mercury. And as it goes through the process of vacuuming it up, it will shred the mercury and aerosolize it. So you're making it much, much worse. So people should not vacuum it. It's also best not to sweep it. A broom will do the same thing. And in this home that we talked about just a moment ago, movers had used a broom. And when you do that, now you're moving it, you're breaking up those beads further and sending them across the room and contaminating yet more areas. So what do you do at EPA to clean up mercury? Well, we have multiple tools to do that. So we have a special vacuum cleaner. It's called a Mercvac or Mercury Vacuum, right? It has HEPA filters in it. We will probably use that to pick up the beads that you can see. After that, there are liquid absorbents. There's powdered absorbents that we can apply and we often do. Typically, those absorbents or those chemicals have something in them that will bind with the mercury and take it out. So multiple tools, sometimes multiple treatments to get it done and get it cleaned up. Well, okay. so I'm thinking given that mercury is easily tracked, incredibly dangerous and hard to clean up, are there times where homes or cars or other things are just destroyed, essentially? 
Can you tell us about experiences you've had with this? Yes. And so we have had instances where a whole house or an apartment was contaminated so badly that we had to destroy a lot of it. Or it may be that we take out the part of the sheetrock wall and we take out part of the flooring. We've had it spilled in cars to where we, we couldn't clean it up. And because this stuff gets into tiny crevices and cracks, sometimes it will cost more to try to clean it up than it would just to take the car for instance, and destroy it, right? And so we have done that. At this last example in Bend, we took out two bedrooms worth of carpeting and padding that we couldn't get it cleaned out of. We took out part of the wood floor. We took out some of the paved stone from the driveway in the area underneath. And, you know, we've talked about the the beads contaminating. But one thing we haven't mentioned and uh, that I probably need to mention now is that those vapors mm. and permeate materials as well and mm. stay in them. So, for instance, the household goods that were in boxes, the box might have got mercury in the bottom of the box. But now the pillows and sheets and things like that were permeated with the vapors to such an mm. extent that we could not clean them. Yeah. Turning back to Todd a moment. What were you thinking as you worked on this cleanup? You know, what were the top priorities in your mind when it comes to health? Well, when I had first heard about the amount of mercury spilled, as as Richard described, I was really just concerned that there was potential for acute exposures, meaning somebody comes into contact with a large amount of mercury all at once. And As Richard had said, that you can experience health effects from small amounts of mercury over a large period of time or a large amount all at once. And I was actually thinking about both of those things because it was a lot of mercury. And if it wasn't cleaned up right, there could be mercury vapor in that house for months or even years. And so it sounds like things worked out decently well for the folks in Bend. And it sounds like it was a ton of work and that process is pretty expensive for EPA. So is it also expensive for the person with the car or the home or the room that gets contaminated with mercury? Right. So we spent nine days cleaning it up with multiple people in different functions, either assessing it or doing the physical cleanup. We have spent well over $100,000 cleaning it up at this particular mm-hmm. house. The way the law goes, the federal law goes, is uh, under CERCLA, the Comprehensive Environmental Response and Liability Act. The law says that if you own the property, if you're the owner or operator of the property, you can be held liable for all the costs that the federal government spends. So officially and legally, and again, I'm not an attorney, mm-hmm. but the owners, the property owners are potentially liable. Typically what we would do is we would ask the polluter, whoever was really spilled it, who is the polluter? And so in this case, it's the movers. And so at some point in the future, the team of cost recovery folks and our attorney, I will weigh in on this. We will, we will discuss it and the agency will make a final decision and determine who they will bill for it. Uh, So you can be as the owner, if you spill it on your property or you had it, you can be liable for it. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good reason to be really aware of things that might have mercury in your home. I think as humans, we're inclined to think that something that seems pretty catastrophic, right, on an individual level, $100,000 of cleanup, nine days of pretty intensive work on your home, that this would not be common at all. And I'm wondering if that's true. Is this something that's common? Do you hear about this happening a lot? If so, like, why does it happen? 
I'm just curious what your thoughts are on how frequently these these types of events occur. EPA sees this in the four states that we cover and also nationally, we say we see mercury spills very commonly. And certainly in Oregon, we probably have two to three to four a year. Wow. And Todd, how about you? Do you see this happening very often from a public health perspective? I've seen this probably over the last year, three or four times. That's four times too many, in, in my opinion. And the, you know, the reason that it happens is that there's a lot of items that contain mercury and they're mostly older items, but also a lot more common things. Like if you have an older thermostat in your house, the kind that you have to turn, that likely will have a mercury switch in it. And it's fortunate that you can upgrade now to something that doesn't contain mercury, but we see it in old body temperature thermometers, old blood pressure cuffs, and it's not uncommon for people to just have elemental mercury in their house in a vessel for some reason. It may be a small amount of mercury that comes out of a thermometer, but that left not cleaned up, it it can make mercury in that household for a very long period, which could potentially harm harm somebody's well-being. Just remind us, what should people do if there's a mercury spill? Well, so one of the first things you should do is isolate the area, right? Because we don't want people walking through it. You don't want pets going through it. So if it's in a bathroom and you spill it there from a thermometer, You want to be sure where you step because you don't want to step in it. Again, it will track on your shoes or your socks. So people can back out, isolate the area, take your shoes and socks off. You may want to bag them or any clothing that's affected or you think spilled on it. If you have an air conditioning or heating system, especially you'd want to turn that off because you don't want to move those vapors throughout the, the home. There's several resources to help you on how you can do a cleanup in your own home. And you can do cleanup for smaller spills. So there's There's multiple resources. Uh, EPA actually has a marvelous website. It's epa.gov slash mercury. And it goes through toxicology. And there's specific areas on this website which tell a homeowner in uh, very uh, straightforward terms on how to clean it up and what what kind of uh, personal protective uh, equipment you'll need, like gloves, Ziploc bags, things you can do yourself to clean it up. Do not use a vacuum cleaner. Do not use a broom. Do not put clothes in your washer or dryer. You're likely to contaminate those and we don't want to have to lose those. Then you should probably contact 911, right? And the Oregon Emergency Response Systems. And when folks call that number, it will go out to multiple agencies and certainly to DEQ and people will get notified. And like Todd mentioned, I would also call Poison Control, excuse me, Oregon Poison Center. They're very helpful. They're a great resource. That's super helpful. And we um, we always have show notes that just um, lists all of those great resources. And so Pete, being kind of the person here in Oregon who thinks about these things and about what to do with mercury, can you tell us a little bit in general about the work you do at DEQ to address mercury in people's homes? Yeah. Hi, my name is Pete Pasters. I work at the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality in the Materials Management Program, and I'm the coordinator of the statewide Hazardous Materials Management Program. That is the program that is the non-regulated hazardous wastes and hazardous materials. 
So it's uh, primarily targeted at households and small enterprises like businesses and institutions. In this role, I oversee the work of our local government partners who offer services to their communities, uh, particularly disposal services for such things as mercury at household hazardous waste uh, events or permanent facilities, and also work with communities around the state on helping them provide education to residents so they have awareness of what the problems are with mercury and how they can uh, take a role in in preventing it from even getting into their home in the first place. Now, as uh, this example uh, from Ben pointed out, we're not always aware when things containing mercury come into our homes. We oftentimes have no clue. Uh, Something I just learned about recently is there is something called a mercury mirror antique mirrors that actually use mercury as the reflective medium behind the glass. And those can, over time, precipitate and leak out liquid mercury. More likely nowadays, uh, the mercury is going to be hidden in products that we uh, really don't even know it's there. The, probably the most common one for that are fluorescent bulbs, for fluorescent lamps. They contain a small amount of mercury, but the, the bulb works by energizing the vapor in the bulb. So this is this is where the, the vapor is actually used as as the uh, as the useful element to, to to provide us light. Unfortunately, if you break those bulbs, the vapor is already vaporized, so it just instantly goes into the air as a vapor. So you inhale it, uh, you know, and, and have the ill effects almost instantaneously. Thankfully, as LED lamps have uh, become more affordable and and uh, more marketed, they have uh, probably the vast majority of the market right now for lamps and bulbs. Uh, compact fluorescent lamps and fluorescent tubes are diminishing in use and demand, but they're still out there in large numbers. You know, we've been talking about mercury and what could be hiding. Is there a way to know if something has mercury by looking at it? It, You know, how do you know? And yeah, help me understand some of these other places where it might be be hiding. Well, unfortunately, uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, in products that are manufactured these days, it's pretty hidden. It's smaller amounts, but it's embedded uh, deeply into the products. Some of the other things that really are surprising to folks are items like medications, pharmaceutical products. There may be small amounts of mercury as a preservative in antibacterial agents like antibiotics, in contact lens solution, in eye drops and eardrops, eye ointment, mercurochrome, the old red stuff that you put on your cuts or whatever to keep it from being infected, and even nasal sprays. And again, not every brand, but you know, certainly there are brands that, that contain small amounts of, of mercury. Another one is cosmetic skin cream. These are ones that are normally imported from outside the U.S. and are sold as skin lightening or freckle creams for folks that want to uh, lighten the, the tone of their, their, their skin or you know, minimize the look of freckles. And then there's the, uh, even those light up shoes uh, that are probably kicking around, pun intended, uh, some, in some closet somewhere. So, yeah, there's things like that that are, you know, still introduced uh, joyfully into our homes that we don't often know that there's something that's lurking underneath, uh, you know, or inside. And so how is DEQ then uh, working to reduce the amount of mercury that makes its way into the environment through proper disposal? So if people do know that they have something that has mercury in it, there are ways that they can get rid of the stuff safely. I think I mentioned before that we work with a lot of local governments who have household hazardous waste collection programs, either events that they run periodically or permanent facilities that are available. 
And so that would be the ideal place to take products, especially liquid mercury that's visible that you know and can confirm it is mercury. Probably best to talk to the local government that runs that facility to find out what their capabilities are for handling those kind of uh, mercury products. And also, as, as DEQ works with local government partners, we help them to promote their activities. So on our website, there's a schedule of and locations for events and facilities around the state. And we also have a statewide hotline, 1-800-RECYCLE, and uh, that's operated actually under contract by Metro here in Portland. In the events that DEQ operates for household hazardous waste, which we do around the state in rural communities, We also have a mercury thermometer exchange program for households when they come to these events and we'll exchange their mercury thermometer for a digital one. So that's another way that we provide, you know, a a way to remove that, but also to uh, encourage the use of other newer technologies that are less harmful. We also work with manufacturers of products upstream and on all kinds of issues regarding product safety or its impacts on the environment or human health. And so that's another area that we strive to do is to really look at how do we make inroads upstream before the stuff ends up in products in homes. So that's another really uh, focus effort because we usually find that the biggest environmental savings and environmental prevention happens before it gets into the hands of uh, consumers. And so, Todd, I'm wondering, too, for Oregon Health Authority, how are you all working to make sure that folks don't get exposed to this from the from the public health side? Well, Lauren, one thing we are starting to do is because we're, we're hearing about, you know, this number of spills happening in the, in the year and and some confusion about how, how to respond and clean up. We're going to work more with make creating awareness about mercury in the home. And we're hoping that in the future, we'll be able to reach out to like local public health agencies and possibly other like first responders, like fire departments and things like that. And actually, we do have another thing to reduce mercury in children's products. The Toxics Free Kids Act, which passed in the state of Oregon in 2015, basically requires manufacturers of children products to report if they have uh, certain chemicals in in their products and eventually they're required to remove those chemicals. And mercury and mercury compounds are on that list of high priority chemicals. So we're making sure that all children's products that are sold in the state of Oregon have to be eventually free of mercury, as well as a bunch of other chemicals. Yeah, I I think it's just so important for awareness and education of the public, certainly of first responders, because we run into many who, especially volunteer fire departments, they they're used to search and rescue and fire suppression, and but they're they're really not fully aware of this. And then the myth of uh, well, I played with it when I was a kid, you know, like I did. I'm older. I played with it. I thought it was super cool. That still abounds today. And over and over again, I run into that all the time. Well, everyone talked about education and outreach, and I feel much more educated after that conversation. There was also a lot in there. So what are some key things people should know? I think the first thing that this is a problem. Mercury can be really harmful to your health and spilling it is not something to take lightly. And Richard said this, we run into that idea that we played with it as kids so it must be okay. The fact is that we know better now so we can change our behavior to be safe. Right. 
Mercury spills are really serious and can come from a lot of different sources, specifically antiques like clocks, barometers, and mirrors, as well as old thermometers, thermostats, hobby gold miner materials, and blood pressure cuffs. Additionally, if you're cleaning out an old attic, be aware that you could even run into jars of elemental mercury. And if you run into any of these items and you'd like to remove it from your house, find a way to dispose of it safely. And we'll link to a list of the disposal events Pete mentioned in our conversation. Or maybe you want to keep that item in your house. That's okay too. You can try to secure it in a place that is less likely to fall or get knocked over. There are also those clear boxes that go around thermostats to protect them from being bumped. And just let anyone else know who lives in your house or contractors coming in to be aware so that people can be safe around that item. Those are great tips. And then if a spill does happen, don't panic. There are steps to take. Remember what Richard and others said. Isolate the area and don't walk through it. If you have stepped in the mercury or got it on your clothes, bag your clothes and shoes to prevent from tracking it. Turn off your air conditioning and heat. And if it isn't too cold, open the windows to ventilate the area. Remember, if it's a small spill, like just a thermometer breaking, you may be able to clean it up yourself. EPA has instructions at epa.gov mercury. We'll link to it in the show notes and maybe just keep the personal protective equipment you would need in the bathroom or area where that item is so you don't run out to get gloves and end up tracking the mercury with you and notify folks who can help. We'll put all the phone numbers in the show notes, but people you can reach out to include the Oregon Poison Center, who can help advise you, call the Oregon Emergency Response Center, and that will let DEQ know, and call the EPA Spill Line and National Response Center, and that will let EPA know. Yeah, thanks for that, On, And remember the things you should never do if you've spilled mercury. Never use a vacuum cleaner. Never use a broom. Never walk around in shoes that might have stepped in it. Never put clothes that have had mercury on them in the laundry. These are all things that you think are a good idea just because you want to get it cleaned up. But as we've learned, though, definitely not. Mm -hmm. And one more thing that we didn't hear, but I saw on EPA's website on mercury. Never pour mercury down the drain. It can get stuck in your pipes and create problems during future plumbing repairs. And it can pollute your septic tank or sewage treatment plant. All right. I think that generally wraps up this episode. I hope you found it informative and useful and that you'll take a good look around your house to make sure you aren't at risk for a mercury spill. And we've also created a handout to help you know what to do in case of a mercury spill so you don't have to memorize it. It's just a little quarter piece of paper and you can keep it stashed near any mercury containing items in your house. And that'll be available in the show notes as well. Just go to deqblog.com slash Awesome. Thanks for getting that together, Lon. That's a great tool. Next time we plan to talk about preventing food waste during the holidays, which can be a real challenge. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Green State. Thank you for listening to Green State, the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality's podcast. And thanks to all the voices who contributed to the conversation. 
Our music is by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get our upcoming episodes. You can listen pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Feel free to rate and review. And if you have any questions or ideas for topics for us to cover, you can reach us at 503-451-0585 or by email at green.state at oregon.gov. To find out more, go to deqblog.com slash greenstate.